and welcome to episode 8 of Sight and Insight. We're calling this one Books, Books, Books. I'm Judy Curtis and this week Lorwyn Conny-Nagel and David P. Curtis are joining me to discuss books for the artist, books by the artist and books about artists. I love books. We have a whole slew of how-to books these days with lots of step-by-step pictures. But how contrived are they? Do they actually do this uh, to show you the progression of a painting or do they take the finished painting and then do what might have been the steps to produce it? I've always wondered about that. Uh, And then we have the old school artist books by Speed and Hawthorne and William Morris Hunt. But are they too pedantic for today's generation? And what about the artist's biography? How helpful are they? Uh, especially when they focus on the sexuality of the artist rather than their training or their artistic philosophy. These questions and more coming up soon. But first, Connie and David, you just had uh, a great painting trip, I understand. Would you like to say a few words about it? Was it a good trip? Did you get lots of great work done? Was the weather good? Yes, I think it was fantastic. Um, I mean, we were in the mountains. We were in Peterborough and uh, painting Mount Monadnock. And uh, fortunately, we got all this inside info about where to go to to get the best view of Monadnock. And uh, we ended up in this wonderful place. It was very secluded and um, got our first our first uh, sketch was was terrific. I mean, uh, weather does. It's very mercurial in the mountains and. So weather does change very quickly, and so that afternoon it turned cold and rainy, and we had to pack up real, really quickly and um, and go and look for other painting sites. But believe me, we found some fantastic sites that we're, we're actually thinking that we'll have workshops up there. Oh, that sounds great. David, did you enjoy your trip? I know it was very good. Nice to be out. Nice to have spring. Uh, I think what I came away with, I've lived in New England almost all my life, uh, shot stay on the West Coast, but I, I really got to appreciate these little towns and villages in New Hampshire, really beautiful, and how lucky we are to live in New England, and how um, we talked about aesthetics one before, the, the aesthetic quality of New England little villages and little towns, well, so, such a beautiful quality to it all, you know, yeah. it's really nice. Uh, and we discussed, as Connie said, we discovered new things and and uh, new ways of looking at uh, at subject. And uh, the other thing I come away with, and I think it every year, but you always forget what spring is like here in New England. But what a beautiful season it is, and how did what a challenge it is to try to capture and paint. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so you're saying that it's inspirational, motivational for the artist to take these these trips to somewhere that's a bit different. I I, I think the change of your local scene uh, does inspire you. Yes. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, let's get down to our topic for today. Uh, when you think about, I know our house is full of books and art books and all kinds of books, uh, and I think it's very important to be able to. Uh, to to read about other people's points of view um, or art magazines like the American Art Review is uh, a great magazine that tells you uh, about upcoming exhibitions and various things and it gives you the opportunity to look at a, a lot of historical art as well as the ads for the contemporary artists but I find these days people really don't like to read 
um, when I was one of the first books I was involved with with writing, um, and the worst thing you can do is write by committee. But we went to talk to the um, the prospective publisher, and his opinion was, well, don't have too many words and put them right at the beginning so that they don't get in the way, because all people want to do is to look at the pictures. And I think this is, you know, pretty sad, particularly from a writer's point of view. You feel like. Well, you know, we don't want your work to uh, intrude into the real thing. Uh, and <laughs> I feel that I, I do have something to say occasionally about art and its meaning. Um, but I just wondered how, how we can uh, read it and get somebody else's point of view. So I thought perhaps I'd ask you about your favourite books or books that you think would be useful for not just an artist who's looking to to increase their knowledge but you know an art lover who wants to who doesn't paint but might want to know a bit more about uh, the history of art um connie do you have anything uh, that you'd want to uh, start well, us off with you just sparked some i i was thinking about um uh first first off i i had shoulder surgery february 6th and i was given two books um, by Harold Speed, the classic book, Oil Painting Techniques and Materials in the Practice and Science of Drawing, and um, I had not read either one of them. Uh, it was a perfect time to sit down and relax. Obviously, I had a lot of time to relax and recover, and uh, I read through these in detail, and I found them super. These are these are most phenomenal books for, for an oil painter, I believe. Uh, for any artist who's serious about reproducing, you know, what they see in nature, even drawing portraits, whatever might be your taste. Um, but I was also thinking, when you were talking about that, of the philosophies. I, I did read a number of philosophical books, one, one that has to do with aesthetics and beauty and uh, different um, philosophers uh, of the 20th century and what they thought of these um, these particular uh, concepts, beauty and aesthetics. And, and I found those terrifically intriguing. I mean, and, um, and helpful to look at an overarching view of what it's like to be a painter. So, um, and I'll, I'll pick up those books in a minute. Um, but um, they might be for that person who gets into philosophy and uh, wants to get into deep thinking, let's say, <laughs> um, which may not be too many artists. <laughs> but, um, but these books, I, which I'll, I'll uh, say in a minute, are, uh, are good reads for, for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. David, what would you uh, well, recommend? I, I'm just going to follow up on Connie's uh, first suggestion, which was Harold Speed's two books put out by Dover Publications, paperback, reasonably priced. Uh, when I met my teacher, R.H. Ives Gamble, that was one of the first books he gave me. So I, was, I think I was 18, 19 years old, and he gave me the two books. I think it was the Harold Speed Oil Painting Techniques and Materials. And I've read them, and I've been reading them ever since. So I think, and uh, uh, I, I think it's, I'm reading them almost like an anthology now, which would be, I can pick it up anywhere. And um, he gives me practical advice, 
as well as as well as what Connie was saying, the philosophical side of art. I think any time an artist writes a book about his methods, technol uh, understandings about art, I think it's much more rewarding for the art student to have books written by the artists than to have a book like a biography about a particular John Singer Sargent. I wish there was a book, How John Singer Sargent Thought About His Paintings. And there's many books written about opinions about how they thought Sargent saw the world. Um, but I'd rather have it from his own words. And I think those kind of books, any book written by the artist or somebody very close to the artist, their wife, or uh, I think George Innes's son, George Innes Jr., wrote a great book about his father because they reveal his working methods in his thinking process. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of biographies are beautiful, but it talks about things that have nothing whatsoever to do about how did he do it? How did he make that painting look that way? And that's what, that's what any artist would say. How did he do it? And if I can read a book on how to do that, that makes it real. And to answer your question about people don't read, they just look at the pictures. My teacher would not allow us to look at color reproductive books because he felt it was false color and it would never give us the truth of what it looked like. So we had to just look at black and whites. Of course, as students, we all, you know, went into the back room and opened up those, you know, color reproductive books that we weren't supposed to be looking at um, but um, and uh, looked at it that way. But he's absolutely right. The color reproductions... If I took Winslow Homer's Breezing Up in this book, it could be more to the red. If I looked at uh, Winslow Homer's Breezing Up in this art book, it could be more cool. It could be more blue. Uh, so the reproductive process to say that that's the way the painting looks is, um, isn't, isn't true in most books. Uh, the only way of appreciating a real painting is to, is to make the journey to the museum or um, to acquire a beautiful work of art for your own house is much more meaningful than a reproduction, I think. Um, so it's not about, so we can get away with the idea that it's not about picture book, mm -hmm. art book, but it's much more about the content. And I think if it's written by an artist, I think that really helps. Uh, uh, in my opinion, that those are the best helpful books. Uh, and I think modern day, as I look at what's being done today in the writing of art books, it's ve they're very personal and they're very much geared to promoting themselves and selling themselves, which I understand is very important, but it doesn't pass on how they can learn the subject of uh, painting or drawing or art. Yeah, so I know way back in the... Uh probably, what, the 70s, that uh, your father, Roger Curtis, he had a couple of how-to books that were done uh, together with uh, Charles Mavali, who I think did, did the writing. Um, so something like that, those, those books from that era, I think, did give you a lot more information for a, a would-be artist who, who wanted to learn something about how to do them, as opposed to perhaps the books put out today which as you say are, are probably very good they show off the more of a Facebook for the artist to show the kind of work they're able to do I believe so this and that's wonderful to, to promote yourself mm -hmm. but for the young student wanting to learn to paint and draw 
where do I begin type of thing. Mm. I, I think those books are, uh, I think, they're, they're, as Connie said, they harken back to the almost the last century or the turn of the century. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I thought it was interesting. I, I was looking online to see what's, you know, just to see if I could find some, some idea of, of what kind of art books are, are out there today for people who are looking specifically uh, to improve what might you, you might call an art education. And I came across a site that said 20 books all artists should have on their shelves. And so I thought that would be really interesting as to, as to what they would include. But there were about 16 of them were on creativity, how to, how to get your creativity stimulated. You know, you've, you've got writer's block, you've got artist block. And it was more about don't be afraid to go out there and, and try and do something. There was one book on art history uh, and then the, uh, there was one called Art and Fear by David Bales and Ted Orland. And I'm sure that that's helpful to get people just to be able to go out there and, and start uh, to get over the fear of, of being able to create something that somebody might criticise at some point. But does it really tell you, you know, does an artist, an art student, they want to be, um, they want somebody to, to tell them how to improve their work, not just how to get over the the fear of of creating right i i think um like uh there's there's also a book called um drawing from the right side of the brain mm-hmm. um that's kind of freeing up somebody from fear of of you know looking at a blank canvas or a blank sheet of paper you know taking taking a pen from the non-dominant hand and starting to draw and and um, that's all fine and good, but I don't believe that that's exactly what we're talking about in terms of of really um, pursuing the craft of painting uh, and and becoming more skillful. And I think that the the material that I've learned from books on is um, is how to compose, how to create line and rhythm and variety and uh, all of this I, I think is really so aptly oh, um, put uh, in in speeds books uh, now the other thing that's that's really useful are books on color uh, I, I have a number of books on color and and have become fascinated with the whole idea of color harmony uh, the the rhythm of color, and including the fact that um, uh, I was recently down in Delaware Art Museum, looking at the uh, the Charles Winter uh, work on color theory and and how he incorporated color with music, and so that inspired me so much as a as a painter that I'm actually beginning uh, I. I be, I'm beginning flute lessons and uh, something that I have never done before. But, but in the process, I'm also seeing some of the ways in which maybe um, Charles Winter did, you know, try to integrate or, or bring these two forms of, uh, of art together. Yeah. So as we speak, I just want to set the scene for you. Here we are in our studio. We have a beautiful view out of the window of uh, of a creek that uh, comes in. I think it looks like high, high tide. Yes, we have some ducks out there. The flowers are blooming in the garden. 
Uh, and right in front of us, Connie has a pile of books. She has a wonderful library of art books, and she's brought in a whole slew of them so that uh, they can remind her which ones she wants to talk about. <laughs> so you're very fortunate, Connie. You have, you have a very eclectic uh, selection here, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of those in a minute. Okay. David, uh, so we haven't heard from you for a few minutes. Uh, what would you like to add? Well, uh, just that you're looking for books if you want to be a painter. You're looking for books that uh, uh, will improve or add to your repertoire of uh, techniques or understandings about nature or the philosophy of painting. I think all those are beneficial uh, to the young aspiring painter. And um, I do think that uh, you want to be attracted to your historically art history is really the content of most art books. And, so um, something like Andrew Loomis, The Eye of the Painter, or what about Charles Barg? Would you recommend people? The Charles Barg book has really taken off. I mean, uh, uh, when it was first written, I was fortunate enough to buy uh, the Charles Barg hardcover book and probably got it. At, that's the other thing about these art books. Uh, I can remember buying these books when they first came out, like Willard Metcalf and these things. Now they're very, very valuable uh, art books because they they didn't ever reproduce other than that limited edition. No, they do edition. limited editions, and then then the art student can't buy them. Because it's a shame. Some collectors because that Metcalf book, it mine's in perfect condition. I think it went from when I bought it for sixty five seventy dollars. I think it's probably yet a zero to the backside of that, and uh, it's very valuable. So a lot of art books are valuable in collectors' items as anybody who goes um, into shops that sell rare art books. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes they're the rarest of, of all the books to purchase, uh, those art books, because of the reproductions as well as... And most of them would be um, black and whites. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that art history is, um, is an important part of this, too. Uh, I, was, I, th I think you have to be careful, though, because sometimes art history books... Go, go down the road of, of, of a political understanding of art history. Mm -hmm. And I think it's much more just to be more open-minded about uh, that they're, you know, what is good, what is bad type of thing. Uh, just to explore the things that interest yourself, you know. Uh, if you like Watteau, gonna... look them up and, and study Watteau. Right, and I, I think um, the thing that I was going to strongly emphasize is that you... You follow like the breadcrumbs of your inspiration, you know, the kind of the things that excite you um, that, you know, I was reading in in Speed's books and and I I come across a guy named Denman Ross. Now, he was a he was a Harvard professor, an artist uh, in 1912. I, I pick up his book. I look it up in Amazon. I find his book and and I find color theory. I find I find painting the masters in there. I see all this information that is exciting and informing to me. So you you kind of take it and and move on, you know, pick up a thread, you know, find what what excites you and then move toward another book that might be again something that clarifies something to to you know to help you, like the Denman Ross uh, helped to clarify a lot about compliments and neutrals. You know, the the Charles Winter 
uh, material, which is un, it's not published at this point, but is is tremendously valuable and talks about grays, neutrals, um, how the complements move to a primary gray color, and that gray becomes an important aspect to to the overall composition of your piece. And there's even a biological premise behind this gray that um, that I read in another book that's on biology <laughs> of scene. So, so you know, it's like uh, one thing leads to another, and uh, sure enough, you, you've got this whole rich uh, aspect of uh, how to paint. Yes. And, uh, and it also becomes personal to you. Yeah. So, you know, David, you're talking about the uh, the limited edition collector's item almost book that's out there that you probably don't even like to take from the shelf and open because it might, you know, you you might ruin it one day for, um, you know, the increase in its value. And Connie, I noticed that you like to uh, make notations in books for things that are important to your books look so loved because you've obviously read them from cover to cover and you can go back and find those important notes that you've made uh so it's it's interesting how um what makes a book valuable is it the content of it or is it the price of it because it is a limited edition and therefore <laughs> somebody else want you know might want to pay a large amount of money for it so there's there's many things that we can uh, we can glean from these. I do think that those painters of the turn of the century into the uh, Carlson's uh, landscape painting book, uh, Charles Hawthorne's book, uh, which was notes taken during his critique sessions. Um, I I think that anything East. that these that artists are being, East. Sir Alfred East, a uh, beautiful oh, yeah. book by him. Um, uh, and we were fortunate enough to, uh, Connie talked about the Charles Winter notes that we recently uh, unearthed um, and are, are invaluable that we'll hopefully be able to put together as, as something that people would enjoy. Um, but I think all those books are very, very important. We, we found um, Aldro Hibbard, my father was Aldro Hibbard's uh, dealer or agent, uh, and uh, Hibbard knew that my father loved teaching, so Hibbard happened to give him these notes, these, uh, very similar to Hawthorne on painting. And um, uh, after my dad passed away, going through his papers, we uncovered these these notes that Hibbard had given, handwritten notes uh, by Hibbard's secretary. Uh, we deciphered them. We spent a winter deciphering them. And then it's it's just wonderful from from a teacher's point of view. It's wonderful to hear another teacher uh, put things uh, talk about values in their their language, <laughs> or this person. And everybody will talk about values, or maybe they will use the word tone. And so the terminologies change from painter to painter. But it's wonderful to understand how they each feel about the this, these principles. And I, and I think as a teacher, that's very rewarding. And I don't get that from some of the contemporary books as much as I do hearkening back to the earlier books uh, written in the in in the times when artists were smart enough to write a book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree on that. I mean, I I haven't seen too many contemporary uh, writings that really inform me about how to paint. There are some how-to books. I've seen those. Uh, 
they seem kind of kitschy in a way. You know, they're just sort of simple-minded and and um, they don't bring about some some of the lofty ideas that I think um, are included and and need to be integrated in painting. Uh, so I'm going to bounce a question back to our art historian down here, Judy. <laughs> And uh, could you talk a little bit about, because I think a lot of books and the content, even even the how-to books, we talked about speed. He talks an awful lot about art history, but from a wonderful perspective of an artist looking at a work of art. But uh, art historians have, have grouped together uh, groups, the Impressionists, the, the Expressionists, the Neo-Monolithic uh, Impressionists, the post-impressionist, the pre-impressionist, the over-the-hill impressionist. <laughs> but there's a lot of categories out there for different painters to be put into. Um, uh, but how would you rate, say, a, a great book, if I wanted to know just about the history of art, even if it's a small facet like impressionism, what would you recommend? Other than your own books, oh well, I would and I will say <laughs> there's a wonderful book Judith wrote called uh, "Rocky Neck Art Colony, 1850 to 1950," <laughs> and it's the history, wonderful history of I think America's um, greatest art colony, I would say, which was Gloucester, Mass. I'm from Gloucester, and I do think that they have that reputation of, of artists even today. Flocks of great artists are still living there. Uh, and from and a great history. But Judith's book really describes, I think, those uh, uh, the, the groups that came to Gloucester in the summertime to paint together, and they socialized together, they hung out together, um, they enjoyed their company, and probably, probably pushed each other. And I think it was in pleasant times, it was usually summertime, right by the sea, um, you could just go out and paint and enjoy life. I think Gloucester must have been idyllic. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it was. And thank you for plugging that book. It sounds much better coming from you than from me. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> um, but um, to start with, I think uh, I consider myself fortunate in some ways because when I say, uh, or when I'm described as an art historian, I don't actually have a credential to be an art historian. Everything I know has sort of come from um, I didn't go to college for anything like that. Uh, it's it's things that I've picked up since basically since I got married to an artist. You have to sort of immerse yourself in <laughs> in that because it's that's that's what life is. Uh, and so from from marrying David and coming to live in Gloucester, and then you suddenly find yourself in an area that's absolutely steeped in artist history. That's when I really got involved in researching different bits because I would look something up and that would take me on this little rabbit trail and then on to another one and so you see uh, as I say you know Cape Ann is like a microcosm of American impressionist history um, I know what you mean about the the people seem to art historians like to group artists in particular little pigeonholes because it's convenient but I don't think artists like to be categorised like that because it means mm. you can't ever step outside of that and there would be people like um, oh Paxton <laughs> who did say, say something like the um, the white veranda where he's he's experimenting with his binocular vision um, and the critics hated the painting because they said well it wasn't what they expected from him, the, the face is, is vague, this woman's in a cage 
just because that's how he wanted to try and, and paint something. So uh, because I don't have that art history academic um, background, I can look at it from a different point of view and just see these different groups that, that came to somewhere like Gloucester and you see you have the New Yorkers in the Red Cottage and then you have um, the, the Boston School there over here in the little hotel and you get the Cincinnati artists, Duvenek and his boys, <laughs> they're staying over at the Rockaway. And so you, you can see what they do and, and all those artists played a tremendous part in, in the role of America's um, space in, in an art, just art history in general. And so it gives me a, a different idea of, um, of how things can, you know, can be uh, viewed. Um, but take somebody like Fitzhugh Lane, or excuse me, Fitzhenry Lane. Um, his reputation was based on a book that John Wilmerding wrote um, nobody knew who he was until until Wimmerding brought this book out and suddenly everybody wanted these Fitzhugh Lane books uh, and then they wanted the paintings and it really built up Lane's reputation to such an extent he became one of the best-known marine painters. Uh, and it's only recently that it came to light that his name wasn't Fitzhugh at all, it was actually Fitzhenry. In fact, I think his original name was Nathaniel Rogers... Uh, and he wanted to change his name uh, at some point. I don't know whether he didn't care for it or didn't care for his family and wanted to distance himself, but whatever. He changed his name to Fitzhenry Lane, but for some reason, nobody knew what the H stood for. Um, documents or paintings were signed Fitz H Lane, F.H. Lane. And so some well-meaning reporter uh, suddenly announced, well, Fitz H Lane must be Hugh. And so he became known as Fitzhugh Lane for the longest time till Stephanie Bock, who worked as the librarian at the Cape Ann Museum, unearthed the document which actually showed his, his, the name he changed to uh, was actually Fitzhenry Lane. And so uh, suddenly we all have to know him by, uh, by this different name, which is very confusing. However, um, we're going to draw to a close very shortly uh, so I'm going to ask our uh, two experts for, for one last word. But before I go, um, I'd like to say another book that is often touted as a, a great read is Robert's Onrise Art Spirit. I know a lot of people who, who think this is a, a terrific book. It's not a picture book. It's the, You actually have to read it. Uh, but there's a lot of information in there written by an artist that I think it has a, a lot to say. And so, as the sun sinks slowly in the west, Connie, what would you like to uh, finish with? <laughs> well, I might plug Johannes Etten, The Art of Color. I think that's a fabulous book on color. And actually, this um, uh, Etten uh, put together a lot of information from his students who uh, created uh, each student had uh, a different palette and a different sensibility about color and he puts that into this book and and I think it's a real interesting read uh for for the artist who who is um interested in color and and outdoor painting and you get a sense of 
of what color harmony can do in all these different values and tonalities and, and how each individual has a different sensibility. One of the students is very, um, has a very uh, kind of pastelish look. And then another one has these dark, uh, rich, purplish colors um, that all work together. So it it helps you recognize that nothing is um, there's no right answer to anything. It's it's how you perceive uh, what you're painting. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a number of uh, things with art books that are done, and I didn't mean to disparage uh, historical books about artists because sometimes that reveals. Uh, something that might lead to you discovering. I think Sargent is one of those interesting painters who um, look at other painters. Uh, he was a friend, he met Claude Monet, uh, Claude Monet, and probably just talking with Monet. And shortly after that, he uh, Sargent returns to England, I think Calcott, and does a series of paintings where he's actually using these these uh, broken color brushstroke, the pointy list, technique, and Sargent starts using that a little bit. Uh, and then I think he meets Soroyer and he changed. So through art history, you might be able to pick up a little and put together so those clues yourself, uh, detecting something that might lead to finding out um, who you are, you know, and you might be the murderer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but, well, I but I, I'm sorry, but uh, no, I, I, I think it's very important that you explore the things that you feel will help you. Um, and I and I do think that Connie, when she was recovering, uh, as a, like Judy said, there's a stack of art books right in front of us. I can barely see my, my two fellow uh, panelists here with the stack of art books in my way, but it's wonderful to see that she's take you know read all these books in this very short time and and i i think she speaks highly of all these uh, these wonderful things i do excellent <laughs> so well i think there's so much more we could say on this subject so maybe we'll return to it uh, one day in the future but for now uh, we'll uh, have to go on our merry way so thank you very much